Now, if you've been around faith at all, there are stories in the Bible of how God changes people's names. Now, probably a lot of us here just think, that, 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 was, a, that was a nice old story. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, I wonder, why don't you rethink that today? Because God actually does change people's names, even now. So I'm going to ask you this morning, in this life change process, to allow God to work with your identity and so doing even your name. Let's take a look at that. The view of yourself. It's time for some of you to just update your view of yourself. Because when, when you describe yourself, you'll say, well, you know, I'm, I'm this way. And in reality, you haven't been that way for a long time. Actually, sometimes in families, we do that to, to each other. Family members will say to somebody, well, you're always like that. And in reality, you haven't been that way for years. Couples do this all the time. Diana and I coach a lot of couples. And someone will say, you always do this. And from time to time, somebody will stop and say, how long has it been since I've done that? And one of our last ones, she said, oh, yeah, probably a few years. He said, how long? And eventually we discovered it had been ten years since he'd actually done this thing. And in her mind, he always does this. So let's update our view of ourselves, our sexual identity. A number of us here have had views of what we were like before. Probably when we were less responsible with our sexuality. Sometimes growing up as a kid, we wonder about ourselves, wonder if we're like this or this, things happen to us, or we make irresponsible choices. Thank God we don't have to pay all of our life sometimes for decisions we made at points in our life. But for a number of us here, with our sexual identity, all we have done is say, I'm not going to be like that anymore. But we've not actually redeemed it and made it a healthy, fun, holy part of our life. It's just we've gotten rid of the bad stuff. Female issues. I'm not going to spend much time on this one. I'm not an expert here. I've never been a woman. <laughs> Some of you are going, thank God, you'd be a really bad woman. A large, hairy one. That's not very attractive. Yeah. But in doing Young Leaders Conferences for, young, uh, for men and women, we're often coaching young women, bright, talented young women in their late 20s, early 30s, even later in their 30s. And God will be asking them to do something. And when we talk about it, she gets this look of fear, terror comes over her face. And I say, tell me how old you are in your mind right now. And the eyes go up and over. And she'll go, I'm 13. Yep. Tell me what happened to your 13. Because you're this amazing woman of faith. And right now you're a scared little girl. Never updated that view. And male issues. Thank God a whole lot of us guys aren't what we used to be. We've still not figured out what the best of us is going to be. We know we've quit some of that old bad stuff, but never actually updated views. Never dreamed of how God might actually use us. So in this life change process, God wants to redeem all that. And in so doing, he may even, may even change your name. This morning, I want us to look at allowing God to redeem. Key word here is allow. Last week, we talked about willingness. This week, it's allow. Allow is a bit different than just a willing spirit. If 
Because allow carries with it, it's a little more passive, but it takes in the will. And allowing God to redeem, that is to change our identity, even our name. I'm going to begin this morning in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17. The story of Abram, who became Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of faith for Jews, for Christians, and for Islam. A father of faith. Now, that's that's a pretty good reputation. Pretty widespread around the world. The summary statement here of this one is, Your name will change if or when you keep the covenant. Now, there's some, we're going to see in this text in just a moment, there's some conditions to the covenant. God will do this if you do this. There are a number of those in Scripture that God wants to do something for you, but you have to be willing to do your part. I've made reference to this before, of which part you're responsible for and which part God is responsible for. We'll clarify even more of that today. Abraham will help us. There are timelines and time frames to this covenant, this agreement. We're going to spend some time in the next couple of weeks explaining covenants in greater detail. Covenants are disagreements that God makes, sometimes with nations, sometimes with groups of people, sometimes with individuals. But there's always God promises something, but you have a responsibility as well. There are time frames to this. One of the things we're going to look at is back in Genesis 12. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. He was 75 years old at the time. And from the, from the text, you get this sense that Abraham smiles and goes, God, I'm 75. Uh, Sarah over here is 65. Um, are, you know, th- things aren't quite as fresh as they used to be. And uh, you're telling us we're going to be parents of many? Um, uh, I'm anxious to see how this one works out. What we're going to see in the beginning of chapter 17 is God then waits 25 years to do it. That's just mean to do to old people. (laughs) I'm already too old to have children. Okay, now wait 25 years. We're going to look at that. And then the sign of the covenant. Your name will change. And Abraham, you're supposed to circumcise yourself and all the other men. And Abraham's going, "Um, God, can we renegotiate this one? Like, can I pierce my ear? Can we shave our heads? Do we have to cut that? God's going, nope, this is a distinctive thing. Let's pick up the storyline. Genesis chapter 17, beginning of verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. If you do... I will confirm my covenant between me and you and greatly increase your numbers. Abram Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, but you'll be called Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations and make you very fruitful. Now you're going, that's not much of a name change. Abram to Abraham... In a number of these names we're going to look at, there was a significance, almost a play on words. A vowel was changed or a syllable was added. But in so doing, it changed the significance of the implication of their name. As we look at this, here was his name change. As we pick up the text again in verse 9, God said to Abram, 
to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant and your descendants for generations to come. And this is what it's going to look like. Every male among you will be circumcised. You will undergo circumcision as a sign of this covenant between you and me. And again, Abram's going, okay, God, why this one? I want to explain it for just a moment. It is an, an outward symbol, two things. One, that the men of, of faith that will eventually become Israel were to be distinctly different from all other men. The second thing was, it was a symbolic gesture that God wanted to say, I want you to be men whose hearts have been changed. Therefore, I want to take your heart and slice it and peel away that outward cover. And I want your hearts, men. I want your hearts. And therefore, I want to slice it and peel it away. That's the heart I want. I want you to be men of heart. And he's going, okay, but couldn't I shave my head? It's a little easier. This timeline fascinates me. That God waits 25 years after the promise. Because of what I do, I listen to the very personal stories of about 2,000 people every year. Now, depending on the day, I either get to listen to 2,000 stories or I have to listen to 2,000 stories every year. One of the greatest confusions about faith is this timeline thing. I thought God was going to do this, but He hasn't come through. He hasn't come through. Did I misread God? Did I not hear Him right? Did I just make this up in my own mind? And I have to say to people all the time, God has not done it yet. The last chapter of your life has not been written yet. Don't write God off. Don't say it's not going to happen. Don't doubt. It's just not happened yet. Now, Abraham and Sarah were already old. They couldn't have children. And God said, I'm going to make you a great nation if you keep my covenants and commandments. And then he waited 25 years to fulfill it. But what a fulfillment. When God delivers, it's amazing. Just don't doubt it while you're waiting for him to come through. This conditional thing is fascinating to me. I started doing a thing called guided prayer times. Exactly 24 years ago, I counted up this week. We, had, uh, we were pastoring in Chicago. We had hundreds of new people new to faith, and they needed a lot of work. I thought, man, there's all these people. They need like a few counseling sessions. They need some like prayers of inner healing or something. They got to leave the past in the past. They need some deep forgiveness. A couple of them probably need to pray some old stuff out of their life. And they certainly need filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm looking at 15 or 20 sessions per person. I think there's got to be a faster way to do this. So I thought, let's try a two-hour guided prayer time where we just invite the Holy Spirit to come in and walk them through their life and get rid of all the old stuff and heal up everything. Very highly recommend this. Saves you lots of time, buddy. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. And we did the first one, and it really worked. And we did the first few, and it really worked. I thought, hey, if this works doing it, like, it updates people. Two hours, their life changes. Let's see if we can get six or eight people together and do six or eight people at once. Two hours, six or eight life changes, that's pretty good time. 
So we did it, and that worked. And we thought, let's try it with a dozen and then two dozen. The largest group I've ever done is 3,500 in one afternoon. It's just amazing to see what God does. But in the midst of this, as we did a number, there would be a time when I had this clear sense, pray that people will receive a new name. And from the first time we came up, I thought, that's kind of odd. I thought, that feels pretty strong. I'll go with it. And we did it. But every time there was a number given, I'm going to give a new name to three people or seven people or five people. Now, I've watched television where somebody says, there's somebody over here with a pain. And I, I, don't, I never wanted to be one of those people. I was doing one of these conferences, a family conference, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Don't even look where it is. You'll never want to go there. It's just, it's just too cold. That morning, it was about minus 30. And I was doing this conference. And then that afternoon, we were doing a guided prayer time. And it was very clear that uh, God wanted to give a few people a new name. But instead of an exact number, I got three, maybe four. I'm going, God, I don't, I don't do three, maybe four. Is it three or is it four? It was three, maybe four. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to say that. This thing was very strong. Three, maybe four. Uh, fine, I'll do it. I don't want to. Three, maybe four people are going to get a new name. So it was done, and people were coming up, and God had clearly done some things. And there was a guy who waited to the end. He was standing over the side, and he came up, and he goes, I'm the fourth. I said, how did you know there were three in front of you? He said, when you did that, he said, I've never heard God speak to me ever in my life. He said, I'm Mennonite. We don't hear anything. He said, God said to me, I will give you a new name, but it requires two days of fasting and prayer and repentance first. He said, I've never heard this before. Will you, will you send me an update? Here's my email address. Send me an update. And uh, it took almost two weeks. I got the update. And he said, it took four and a half days to pray through everything from my family. And he said, but I got a new name. And it was dot, dot, dot. And then in parenthesis, his new name. You see, God will work with you if you follow through with your part. That if becomes crucial. Let's continue on in chapter 17 because it's Abram's wife, Sarah, who gets another new name. This one is your name may be changed simply to reflect the power of God. Verse 15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, she will no longer be called Sarah, but her new name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give, her, uh, give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Now remember how old she is already. Notice verse 17. It's hilarious. Abram fell face down and laughed. And said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? God, come on, let's just be realistic. This isn't very workable. Remember what God said to him in the beginning? He said, I am God Almighty. You think it can't happen? Do you know who you're talking to here? I am God Almighty. If I say it's going to happen, it happens. I'm God. Notice with Sarah, sometimes the change is more about God and less about you. 
And it shows what new life can do in you. Pregnant at 90. Now I'm looking out at all the audience, and there's a number of nervous women right now. <laughs> You're going, God, please, please ask anything of me, but not that one. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm past 50. This is not good for me. Um, I'm too tired. My body, this, this, this isn't workable, God. It affects our retirement. Come on, don't do this to me. Now, just notice, notice how many times in the Bible there were women who, who couldn't have children or were past age of giving birth. But because of their deep faith in God, they had a child. Now, there's a principle in Scripture that if you trust God and believe deeply in the Almighty, weird things may happen to you women. Just note that. The third one comes later in Genesis in chapter 32. Jacob, who becomes Israel, one of the most noted name changes in the history of humanity. Israel is still referred by that name to this day. Your name may be changed as a reminder of how different you are now or how different you are to be now. Pick up in chapter 32. Let's pick up at verse 22. That night Jacob had gotten up and he went and he wrestled with God for the night. He wrestled with God deeply. And in so doing, God changed him deeply. Let's look at what you wrestle with in the next slide. The things you wrestle with, old identity things, Issues, and it's time to renounce them. By renouncing them, you take away their, their credibility in your life. You take away their control. You're free of those old things. You wrestle with old images of yourself, old names that have been given to you. Now, families never want to be cruel or mean. But sometimes we give kids names. Or say things about them that years later just stick, almost like a curse. I mean, how many young women in our world right now are wrestling with, with weight issues, identity issues, because when they were a kid, somebody in their family mentioned that she was a little fat girl? She wasn't. She just wasn't thin. She's now somewhere between 17 and 30, and she's dieting herself to death because in her mind, she has a weight issue and she doesn't in reality. How many people in here, somebody in their family referred to them as the stupid one in the family? And you're not at all, but somebody called you that and it stuck to you like a curse. I was the youngest in our family. And I figured out early on that if I acted like I didn't know what I was doing, I got out of work. The youngest son. And so if I just acted like I was incompetent, my dad would go, forget it. Get one of the other boys to do it. I got to watch more TV and other such things. It worked well for me, I thought. Except that's how my family viewed me. And it was, it was interesting. I was 30 years old. I'd gone back to visit my family. I was finishing a doctorate, having really good professional success. And my sister and brother sat around and talked about me like I was still a 12-year-old stupid kid. And finally I spoke and I said, I don't even know who you're talking about. 
Like it makes me want to not come home. Because in my mind, I'm still that stupid 12-year-old kid. And if you've noticed, I'm nothing like that anymore. But in your mind, you've never updated your view of me. Now, the issue is for some of you, you would never say that. You would just feel bad or curse at him later. You see, you've got to wrestle through those. Leave those things behind. Old names given you, old thought processes, views of former reality. I used to be like this. No, you're not. No, you're not. Only in your mind. That's why some of you are praying about God to change you, and he's not answering because he's going, I already have. Hello? Will you update your view? You're not like that. I'm not offering you forgiveness because I've already forgiven you. Come on. Update your view. Renounce any old limitations you've placed on God. If you've noticed, this is a recurring theme. Happened last week, too. We put limitations on God. Every summer, Diane and I do a conference, a, a family camp. We go to it. We don't particularly enjoy it, but there's a bunch of people there that we like. About 100 or 150 show up that are friends of ours out of a 1,000 or more who come. And so we go and just spend time with them. And because I've been there, they asked me to do some ministry things. And I've done two in the last, I think, eight years, two of these guided prayer times for people, large groups of hundreds of people. And uh, one year, there was a woman came up and she said, the biggest smile on her face. And she said, can I tell you my story? I thought, I've already listened to lots of stories this year. And I said to her, can I have the short version of your story? Because I looked at her and thought, this could be a long story. And uh, so I just asked for the short one. And she said, I was the youngest of four daughters in uh, my family. And she said, I wasn't very happy. I felt like I got picked on whether I did or not. I don't know. But she said, I I just cried a lot. She said, my family used to make fun of me because I cried. I was the crybaby. And what are you crying about this time? She was just embarrassing because I cried all the time. She said, but it didn't go away when I grew up. She said, there's probably four times a week my whole life I've cried, maybe more. She said, I, I, uh, I've gone to the doctor to see if it's hormonal. It isn't. She said, I went to a therapist. He made me cry. <laughs> she goes, I felt like I have something wrong with me. She said, my kids even, I feel like, don't respect me because of how much I've cried because of their mom. She said, last year when you did the guided prayer time, God spoke so clearly to me. I'm going to change your name. She said, I waited and waited. And he said, your name is now Joy. She said, it's been almost a year and I have not cried. She said, I used to cry all the time. I haven't cried. She goes, now don't get me wrong. I think I still have the ability to cry. I've not become a cold woman. I can still cry, I think. I just don't. She said, my husband like, doesn't know what to do with me. Because he just sort of ignored me when I cried, and now I'm happy he can't ignore me. <laughs> she said, I think I'm wearing him out. <laughs> now, what was funny to me is there was a group of women standing around. And one woman spoke up, very professional, late 30s. You could tell she was one of those people who'd always gotten most everything she wanted. And she said, I want a new name. I said, they're not mine to give. Um, You don't get one because you demand it. She goes, yeah, but why can't I get one? 
I said, tell you what, I don't know if God's going to give you one or not. So it's probably time to wrestle with some stuff. So here's your assignment. Four days of fasting and prayer. Complete days. Wrestle through your identity stuff and your demands. And see what God might do. And she goes, four days? I said, make it five. <laughs> so now, let me know. Give me updates. I got two updates in the next year. She never fasted and prayed. And never got a new name. Never wrestled through her issues. She just wanted something good from God. Don't do that. Wrestle through this stuff. And in so doing, when you wrestle with God, you're different. The final one we want to take a look at comes from the New Testament. A somewhat familiar one if you've been around church at all. It's Matthew chapter 16. You're, uh, it's the story of Peter. There has just been this conversation between Jesus and the disciples where he asked them who the people say that he is. And Peter, who always had an answer but rarely understood the question, finally got one right. And he said to Jesus, you are the Christ. And Jesus said to him in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for it is not revealed to you by men but by your Father in heaven. I tell you now that you are Peter. In, in Greek, Petros. And on this rock, again, another variation of the word Petros, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome you. Sometimes your new name will reflect a change in new identity, new character, new purpose. The name change is you're different now. Your character is different now. Your destiny, how your life's going to end, is different now. It's just natural to get a new name, a new image, a new identity to go with that. It's what God does for people. Let's wrap this up. In Christ, when you become a person of faith, your identity is changed. Sometimes. Sometimes. As a reflection of that change, God may actually change your name. Let's take a look at this next slide. Spend just a few moments on this one. I once was, what? But now I am. For some of you, this is a hard exercise. Because somehow you still think you've got to pay for that, what I once was. Or it's just hard to update. Come on, I've been that way for years. It's kind of hard to think of myself differently. I once was, but now I am. As we finish today, I'm going to ask you to do something different. I'm going to ask you to renounce. Literally renounce. Take away the, the strength. Update. Leave behind those old names those old descriptors of your life and allow. This is just what the Spirit of God wants to do in you. Allow the Holy Spirit to redeem, that is to change your identity and therefore your name. I want to tell you a story of six generations of Sanders men. It was the mid-19th century in London. There was a physician named Dr. Sanders I like him. He was a 
by every account that we can track, successful doctor, but a bit of a free spirit, a bit of an adventure and a significant risk taker. He's thinking, i got a good practice here, but uh, kind of bored. London's getting kind of big. Heard there's free land in America. I want to go to America. So moved his wife and two sons to America. Got to Boston. Didn't like Boston. It was just sort of a small version of London. But heard about this place called Ohio, central part of America, where they were still giving free land away. So he moved to Cleveland, set up a medical practice, and began to accumulate land. Was a bit of an adventure, risk taker, always trying new stuff. He had two sons. The oldest was a responsible lad who became a physician as well. The younger one was an irresponsible lad. Enjoyed uh, drinking, enjoyed um, gambling, and loved women. That was my side of the family. George Sanders had seven sons. He's an irresponsible guy, irresponsible with his life as well, in every way. Seven sons. The youngest that were born were a set of twins. As soon as that set of twins was born, he abandoned the family and left them. All seven boys were, were there, and their mom wasn't doing well, and a year and a half later, she died. And the kids went to an orphanage. The younger kids were actually sent to a work camp. My grandfather was sent to a work camp. He met a woman, a young woman there, whose family had also been killed in an accident. And those two took up together. And Norman Sanders Sr. and Donna had four sons. It was World War II, and one of the sons was killed in Europe. My father was the oldest of those four boys. He had three sons. He became a very responsible contributor to society, was an inventor, designer, created something that got patent rights to and ultimately revolutionized grain dryer industry around the world. We're on our way to becoming millionaires, and he had a massive heart attack and died overnight at age 49. But changed the legacy of Sanders' men. I have three brothers. And if you notice, there became another Dr. Sanders, who has two sons. Diane and I have two daughters and two sons. Today is about the men. Bo and Eric. Bo's a pastor. Eric, by his 22nd birthday, had, or when he was 22, had been in 24 countries. He's the adventurous spirit. He's a writer and does a few other things to make a living. But, but the two of them have taken on a unique ministry. They identify young men who don't have um, fathers who influence them. They lead them to Christ. And then about four times a year, they take groups of 8 to 12 young men out in the wilderness, usually canoe trip, take them off to an island, and they initiate them into their manhood. Now, it's funny because it used to be they would call me and say, Dad, we know you don't want to come for four days out to the island. Too much work, too cold, it's not enough fun. But can you be there at the shore when they get back? Because we want to give these guys the blessing of a father they never got. So I'd drive up and meet them. It was about a three-hour drive. I'd meet them on the shore and bless these young men. I remember when uh, Bo called one day and he said, <clears throat> Dad, I'm a man now. Would it be okay if you didn't come and Eric and I just passed on the blessing? Instead of a father blessing, we just passed along 
the blessing of men. That would be honor. We move from George Sanders, who died blind, penniless, homeless, alone in an institution. Blind, died early of social disease. To just a few generations later, you have three Sanders men who are trying to change the destinies of thousands of young men. God may not give you a new name today, but He wants to redeem your name, redeem your identity, and redeem your family's identity for generations to come. And it's what He does. We're going to sing a song now. We've left the front seats all open. Some of you lead pretty busy lives. It's hard to get some quiet time during the week. While we sing this song, I've just asked that these seats be left open. And if you would like today to just spend a few moments to listen to God and say, God, is there a new name in my future? Or do you want to redeem my old name? Or do you want to use my name to bless generations to come? Come and take a seat. Nobody's going to come and pray with you. This is just your time alone with God. Say to him, I want to be willing. I want to allow the Spirit of God to do in me today what he wants to do to redeem my identity and my name. Let's stand together, please.